Welcome to the Sandbox. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Dave. We are really excited to bring this episode to you, but before we get started, we just wanted to throw a couple of quick announcements your way. The first is that we're working on a schedule and inviting some guests for some Sandbox Cooperative live events to come throughout this next year. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter, or visit our website for updated information on those. Also, we're planning some Sandbox meetups for the fall. Ways for us to gather our digital community face-to-face. If you are here in the Rochester, Minnesota area, we will be facilitating those to get us rolling. But if you live somewhere else, let us know, and we can help you prepare to host your own. But for today's episode, we are finally ready to share a few of our road trip interviews with you. It's been great to learn from so many incredible people through the sandbox and begin to share their stories. I am so excited to introduce our friend Dale Fredrickson to you. I first met Dale about four years ago, and we were at this event together. And all right, have you ever been in a crowd of new people, people you've never even met before? And someone walks into the place and suddenly all the oxygen is sucked out of the room because that person is bringing full-on, contagious, good, beautiful energy and people are just drawn to him? That's Dale. Absolutely. I met Dale about 10 minutes before we started the interview and it didn't even take that long to know we were going to have a great conversation. We definitely enjoyed this time and we're so excited to share it with you. We happened to catch up with Dale while he was on vacation in Southern California, and that's not a bad place to be. So let's get to it. Episode 25, Keeping Pulse with Dale Fredrickson. Your heart not like mine. Your pulse is the uprising. Mine is a flat line. Your heart is surprise. Mine is compromise. Your heart is a drum line and mine throbs with resistance. My heart is perplexed. Schizophrenic are the voices from culture, from critics, from institutions, from family systems, from doubts, fears, self-ambition, words conflicting, and I feel the contradiction with every pulse. I'm an image bearer and an image breaker. I'm open and closed. I'm abundance and scarcity in one human body. I'm flesh and bones. I'm mind and spirit. I'm excellence and mediocrity. I'm so curiously human. And I want to learn your rhythms, but my heart is not like yours. Your heart is the sun, the life-giving star, and my heart is Neptune, the bleakest planet. Days become years, and I feel afar. Your pulse is the catalyst. Can you incite my heart? Will you resurrect this life? You're the conductor of heartbeat. You compose every note. Your kingdom's cadence, you tune me to. And I want to learn your rhythms, 
Your melodies are horizontal and vertical. You are divinity and you are humanity. Your cross beat resonates and I'm beginning to hear you became what I am so I can share in your life, eternity and humanity. Your cross is solidarity. Your resurrection quickens me. And I want to learn your rhythms. Teach me to sing your songs. Excite me to create and not consume. Challenge my self-serving tendencies and move me to forgive the love to serve. Convert my complacency with your inspiring harmony. Accept my heart with grace, peace, compassionate creativity. Your anthem is reconciliation and your music is medicine and your melody is sanctuary. Now play within me. Play within me. I'd like to introduce Dale Fredrickson into the sandbox. Dale's a pastor, a poet, and a preacher. Oh, man. It's an honor. Thank you guys yeah. so much. You, you came down to San Clemente on my vacation to, hear a pod, to, <laughs> yeah. to do this podcast. So, yeah, so we're on this road trip, and, and we just were like, and, and you know, I've known you, you know, for, for a few years now, and I wanted to get out to Denver and see you, and then you're like, I'm not going to be in Denver. I'm going to be in San Clemente, and I'm like, oh, I'm not going to be down that far south, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to be down that far south. <laughs> so here we are sitting... Salt air in the background and yeah. in, in on vacation with Dale. I mean, this is perfect. Oh, it's man. Perfect. Thank yeah. you guys for coming. Yeah. Fantastic. Thanks for what you're doing with your podcast. Oh, Fascinating. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. But, um, yeah, so I, uh, I've been working on this project for two and a half years. You know, you, um, mm. <laughs> as an artist, like, especially as a pastor who's an artist, you yeah. are cramming to find the time to put together these things. And I think it's... Um, for about 20 years, I've been writing poetry, and mm-hmm. in in the last five, I've been amazed by how a short two-minute poem can do more to shape the human heart than, you know, yeah. a 20-minute sermon or yeah. whatever, and yeah. how real and authentic they can be and how they can connect with people. And so I was like, oh, this would be cool mm-hmm. if I could find a way to put these poems together. And so I'd been thinking a lot about uh, the human heart as this metaphor, and of course, this human heart is a runs throughout the Bible is more than just a blood pump, right? But um, the seed of our emotions, our intellect, our will mm. is how the ancients would think about it. But then Augustine does some like amazingly deep things with it, talking about that uh, our delight or our affections and what we delight and what we love is what we become. Mm-hmm. And so mm. I was just really moved by Augustine and the way he talks about what we love is what we become. And of course, this is uh, we're thinking a lot about this now that we're not just beings of mind and heart. There's no separation. We're these holistic creatures, and and I was pretty moved by that. So I decided to just let me write a series of poems from like the highest of high to the lowest of low, mm-hmm. 
and let's just see what comes out, you yeah. know? And so yeah. I wrote about 70 to 80 poems and then I'm always using them weekly with um, our community. Like how do you just, use them in your community? Yeah. Within, within a teaching that I'm doing okay. or within a, like a, like almost like a call to worship before we get mm-hmm. going or after mm-hmm. it as a response time. Mm-hmm. And so we've sort of put in poetry and, you know, poetry has such a beautiful way of its cadences and rhythms are not normal to us. Right, right. So they cause us to sort of surprise us, pull us up short, mm-hmm. um, move us into like a different time and a different mm-hmm. experience. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm amazed by that. And then poetry's images, you know, are always moving to me. So then, um, so these are like pieces from over two and a half, three years of like, yeah. let's try this, let's try that. Let's, let's um, move with this. And so that's kind of how it came about. Yeah, you know, so, as I was reading this, I got the book just before we hit the road. And so I've been reading it as, as we've been driving. And um, so my, my wife would say that I, I love a lot of dark music. <laughs> I was just talking about how I like a 90s, you know, 90s progressive rap. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, a, that's like Naughty by Nature. <laughs> <laughs> Completely progressive in their own time. You can't, you know, <laughs> musical genius. Um, but no, but, but I also like, uh, I like Radiohead, Radiohead you know, and yeah. I like, you know, uh, uh, Sigur Rós and I like, you know, there's a lot of, dark, and as I was reading, um, one of, uh, several of the poems, I'm like, Oh, this is right in that lane. And it's just, um, you know, you feel it in just a just a gut check level, and and it was there. Um, yeah, I, right, I, right. Specifically, um, crucify the bullies in my head. Right, right. Oh. Yeah, yeah, man. That's. Um, I think uh, I don't know if you've been influenced, but I've been hugely influenced by Walter Brueggemann. Yes, yeah. And you know, he's a scholar on the Psalms and mm. and a master storyteller. Master mm-hmm. storyteller. The yeah. guy is just. The guy's yeah. amazing, right? Brilliant. And brilliant. I did a funeral with him uh, mm. a few years ago wow. over with a 16-year-old suicide. Mm-hmm. And it was really amazing because he, uh, I was sort of like the, you know, I'll set up everything and then he flies in and, mm-hmm. and it's like, uh, you know, w- what's Walter Brueggemann going to speak on, you know? Right. And it's like something in Lamentations, you know? <laughs> 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 and uh, he's, a, he's a scholar who's investigated the Psalms and Lamentations and talked about the heart of the Hebrew poets being lament. And grief yeah. and being uh, okay with voicing when the world is not right and crying out for the when the world isn't right. And um, he hugely influenced me of talking about the Psalms as mm. Psalms of disorientation, new orientation, and reorientation. Mm. Or, or the way I like to say is life's good, life's not good, life's good again. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah. and this sort of rhythm that we all live into and, and the way we escape that rhythm so often in American culture by only going from high to high yeah. And, yeah. and denying ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Denying mm-hmm. that, you right. know, things are hard and being right. human we're frail, we're fragile, we're vulnerable, and um, and it's hard. It's yeah, hard if yeah. you listen to the human spirit. Um, and so when I did his funeral, he was just amazing. Um, I remember mm. he uh, he's rubbing. He's got this like interesting mannerisms, Walter Brim. He's rubbing his balded head and he's saying, "No one, no one is grieved enough for Peter for this boy who committed suicide." And I was like, "Oh." And it was true. We was true, you know. Yeah. But it was like hard. It was wow. so hard. So I think um, part of the project for me, what poetry does, is allows us to go into the mystery, allows yeah. us to be okay that things don't always have the resolution, right? They don't. Our lives aren't um, 
the sort of fairy tale that we all hoped it would be. Right. And that's hard. And it's hard to settle ourselves into the story doesn't always end, but mm-hmm. there's so much more mm-hmm. depth to our humanity that can happen. And it's almost as if American culture has missed out on the depth of mm-hmm. wailing and lament and mourning and what it means yeah. to say to ourselves, all is not well right now. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's the heart of um, one movement of our heart is acknowledging that place, you know? Um, so, and it's so far, it's so far removed from us. I mean, I just think about, you know, you'd be walking down the street and, you know, running into somebody, you know, Hey, how you doing? Um, I'm good. Pretty, pretty busy. Like even the admission that we are not doing well is kind of like, yeah, we're fine. You know what (laughs) I mean? Right. Totally. (laughs) Totally. How many times do we, we, uh, we glorify busy, right? Like you're almost, if you're not doing something all the time, you're almost seen as like less than American. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, how many times is it not okay just to rest in the fact of like, I have a couple friends, I don't know if you do, a couple friends who are just like real no matter what. And I love them because they're so like not normal in our culture. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right? And uh, of course it's like uh, at church on Sunday morning, how you doing? Oh, it's been probably the worst couple months of my life. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> right. right. Now, now we're there. You know, yeah, now right. we're vulnerable. And, right, you know, all right. that Brene Brown is talking oh to us gosh, about she's... shame and vulnerability mm-hmm. and um, and that vulnerability is, is the place where these darker emotions of anger and fear and pain, and only if we start to talk about those can we be vital, mm-hmm. flourishing human beings, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. incredible. So that's what poetry does is create an experience where for two minutes maybe in our life we can go to that place of maybe it's not okay mm. it's or it is okay to name the darkness the aloneness the fear that we all have as human beings so so as we were <clears throat> driving a couple two three thousand miles <laughs> <laughs> from minnesota from minnesota to california and uh listening to naughty by nature and other uh, progressive rap <laughs> folks as we were bumping across the plains, um, no, it's, I, and I'm reading your book. Um, I kept telling myself to stop. I mean, just slow down. Mm. This is not meant to. I, I could I could raffle through the book real quick. Right. I've right. read a lot of books in my day. I can read fast if I need right. to. But this is not that. This yeah. is. I mean, I've heard of slow food uh, movement. I think this is a slow reading movement. This is yeah. uh, savor it a little bit and, and sit with it um, mm-hmm. because if you don't, you'll miss it. Man, you got it. Um, what I what I wanted to do is it's popular with poets to put out what we call a chat book. And mm-hmm. that language comes from England in the 19th and 20th century. Chat book would mean a book that's cheap. And mm-hmm. you'd typically put 25 to 30 poems in a chat book. And in England, it was said that chat books are to be read with your family to influence and change culture. And so there was oh, wow. this tradition. Read, read with your family to yeah. influence and, and change, change culture. culture. That was the goal of a chat book. Wow. And so I wanted to sort of, what I wanted to really do is to, I want to transform that genre for Christians. Yeah. Uh, these are 25 poems in a, in a beautiful artistic book that you can read slowly and you can read mm-hmm. as your family in your living room and, and allow yourself to encounter and experience the sacred, the divine God. Yeah. And yeah. so that's the whole idea is that like, um, like a beautiful liturgy, you know, like, like mm. a great, you've, you've been to a, you've been to a rock concert where mm. you're like, oh my gosh, this is an incredible experience. I, 
I mean, I remember early in my life going to U2 concerts, you know, and hearing them in with Psalm 40, right? Yeah, How long, oh Lord? Yeah. And you're like, you, you, That's awesome. you have been like, you've been moved, yeah. you know? Yeah. And um, I yeah. don't know if uh, I recently I've seen the National Live and oh, wow. they do some of the same things. Mm-hmm. Just like I have been, mm-hmm. I've been to church today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so those moving and, and poetry does that. And how can we help people in, in their day to day to experience that, to allow them to experience mm-hmm. the depths and the heights of being human. And the way I would, the other way that I've talked about, like what I'm trying to do is um, spirituality is sort of like, what do we do with the restlessness that's in the human heart? You know, we have Plato who says that all human beings have been fired with a with a restlessness from the gods, right? Yeah. And in the biblical tradition, we have Adam and Eve who are just fired with this restlessness, this sort of like desire, passion, this sort of like, we want more, we want to be fully human. And mm-hmm. then we have Cain and Abel who sort of explore explore this restlessness. And then of course, Joseph in the in the dream jacket of like, yeah, yeah. My, my brothers, you're gonna all bow to me, you know? Right, right. Like how, we, how we handle this restlessness is yeah. the question of humanity, how we handle this yeah. fire. And I think poetry mm-hmm. is in a unique position to help us shape the fire that God has put within our souls. Mm-hmm. And great singer-songwriters do this too. You know, yeah. great, you know, think of Bob Dylan. You think of, um, we were talking earlier about like songs of resistance and songs of mm-hmm. um, sort of communal lament and communal search for justice. Mm-hmm. Like that's the power mm-hmm. of poetry is shaping and challenging the human heart to something that's more and beyond us. Cause you know, fire is a, a wonderful metaphor. Fire can warm us or the fire can consume and kill us. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So what I wanted to do with this chapbook is to say, here's something that your family, that you can go through slowly, simply that can shape and change and help that fire within you mm-hmm. to be directed to something more, something broader. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the, idea behind it so i I gotta say something else uh i don't know you know we're we're connected through facebook and and you posted a a video of you doing my dad's laugh oh yeah that one kills me man (laughs) i don't know that i can talk about it without like weeping okay yeah it's so beautiful what you Mm. did um uh, as father's day is approaching and i don't know when your dad uh died um, I'm assuming this is this about your dad. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, yeah, you got it. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, it, it's it's so autobiographical for you, right? But right. as a um, a guy who was very close, I was very close with my dad, and mm. and he died suddenly um, oh, some man. some years ago now. Um, so I'm able to put myself in that poem mm. and feel that. And and so watching you perform it was also very powerful. Right, right. Uh, and so that's on YouTube, correct? Yeah, right. So anybody can right. look, look this up on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, and we'll have a link on this uh, on this podcast uh, to, to some of these. Um, but way the way you landed it, hmm. where it it went, hmm. was so powerful. It, it took it out of the realm of the personal and made it for everybody. Like yeah. I, I know I knew I could relate to it because because my experience. But then all of a sudden, we all are in this, and we're all a part of this. And it was, um, mm. yeah, yeah, it's, it's Thank incredible. you so much. Yeah, that, yeah. I, I feel like all great art, uh, for me, all great poetry that I write starts with the personal and moves to the universal. Yes. 
and you know all great preaching too you know it's mm, like mm, mm-hmm. it's like um you're you're trying to name something about being this messy human yes and um and how do you name it in a way that's so real and vulnerable but allows other people to sort of come on this ride with you yeah, of what it yeah. is what it's like yeah yeah um, name, name the things you know yeah. but then also name uh, the thing that we all intuitively know yeah on some level yeah and that yeah. poem really that's uh that poem for me was like I was just wrestling with it of like this poem took me, I joked that this poem took me 20 years to write. Yeah. Cause I yeah. always wanted to write a poem about this experience with my dad. Mm-hmm. And you know, he just, um, it was very sudden. He, uh, he got cancer and it was like a quick diagnosis. Oh, I see. And so, and, and then, and then it was three months later he was dead. Yeah. So it was like, not like some people to get a long, lot longer time, but, yeah. and it happened when I was 15. So it was right in that pivotal, like teenage, oh. like, and you're like trying to find yourself and you're trying to figure out who you are and then your dad dies. And, yeah. and so yeah. writing that poem and, and you know, uh, I wrote it and I was like, yeah, I give these to my kids all the time. Cause for me, if it's not simple enough for everyone to understand, I, I don't like the oh, okay. esoteric abstract, you know, right, and, right. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and I get, I'm telling my kids and they're like, dad, that's really good. I'm like, well, okay, that's good. I must got something here, you know? <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. But uh, um, I was thinking about, you know, what it means to be a dad and what it means to mm. uh, be a dad to my kids now, you know, um, yeah. and thinking that it stirs up all this fatherlessness and all this loss. And so the poem was trying to say, man, we have a culture of fatherlessness and how do we yes. all grieve it together? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have a culture of, of people who have experienced death and we don't like death. We don't like to talk about mm-hmm. it. This is another thing, you know, like, right. oh, da- right. I mean, we, we get rid of death pretty easily, you know? Right. Like right. I, I laugh that we see a dead mice mouse now and yeah. we freak out as Americans, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. This is not normal across culture <laughs> and time, you know? <laughs> yeah. So mm-hmm. thank you for your thoughts. Yeah. On my laugh. Yeah. I, I, the cool story about that, that no one will ever know is, um, until, we now. Wanted to, until now. Until now. <laughs> now it, it is all revealed. It is all revealed. <laughs> um, was my grandpa, two weeks before I was going to film that poem, mm-hmm. my grandpa said, hey, I had this uh, box of stuff from your dad. Mm. Um, and oh. I was like, you got to be kidding me. So in the video, as you see it, it's, a, it's kind of like the idea was a memory trail. So we had like my dad's military flag and we had my dad's mm-hmm. hard hat and this old football that my dad had had. Mm-hmm. And so as, as I'm walking, giving this poem, I'm like looking at these material from my dad. So literally. that Those were actually his, that yeah. was actually his stuff. Isn't that amazing? Wow. It was, and that, that was his, mm-hmm. uh, his uh, army bag, his Navy bag yeah. that I had that I yeah. used. And so it was like super, uh, super meaningful. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But, yeah. Very good. But, uh, what I would like to did you, you you're ready? No, no, no. go for I, it. I would love to have, you know, if, if we could have you do, uh, yeah, say, yeah, speak a few, a couple of yeah. your poems, uh, sure. for us, and uh, we can have those recorded. Yeah. Um, okay. So this poem, um, this poem I haven't done much, and I thought, I thought that uh, it'd be a good one to do for you guys. But this yeah. one is called uh, "Burning Bushes," mm. and it goes like this: When you startled me on the running trail proud coyote. It was astonishing. A fusion of mystery and wonder. Should I take my shoes off or race away? Rather, in the dirt we danced for a moment. Your eyes bright stars, distant and defiant, scanning prospects. You are fearless. That's why 
they fear you. Your coat is like Joseph's, tan, brown, gray, bold. Nimble are your steps. Your body, relaxed, upright, but alert, exquisite creature, wily and warring. Your survival a struggle like Israel's, master of environments, intelligent, adaptive, flexible, student of change, outspoken nonconformist. And I've heard your battle cries resisting, your hoo-hoo-hoos insisting, your diaspora life persisting, your existence haunting, stubborn and unbending, taking your blessings. How I wished my heart blazed like yours. Then you politely nodded and trotted away. And in that moment, I remembered the dusty trails, the cries and calling of my God from Bethlehem to Calvary, justice insisting and death resisting and life persisting, prophetic and pragmatic, chutzpah and holy fire, grace and mystery transfusing. Jesus, will you transform me and dance with me until the fire returns? Dance with me until the fire returns returns fantastic <laughs> oh wow. wow so true story i did encounter yeah, a coyote on the running yeah. trail <laughs> <laughs> I, I was reading that i'm like i'm not sure what i'd do in that moment <laughs> hey, you wrote a poem <laughs> you wrote a poem i would be running after freaking out i'd be looking for the toilet out. paper right there <laughs> 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 wow. Wow. Oh, yeah. And you, you talked earlier about the difference between um, when the poem lives and in, in, in it's spoken out loud versus you know reading. And reading is yeah. amazing. Yeah. But just that's, having experienced that. That's different. That's different. Yeah. What you, <laughs> you just know? did there. That's fascinating, right? Yeah. That's a different thing. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? Now it's I want to. Is that on the, the album? No, that was not on the album. Oh. Can yeah. we make that? Yeah, I would love to make that. <laughs> okay, cool. Let's do it. We should talk about that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. No, let's do it. For real. Here's um here's one I did for uh for Christmas and I'm I'm trying to think about, you know, we use this big word incarnation, right? Yeah, yeah. Which um I'm trying to think of what it means that God became human, you know. And but I'm trying to do it in a way that brings real humanity to it and answers some of our deeper questions about it. So yeah. this one's called A Song in the Dark. Why did God become human? She asks with sincere uncertainty. Isn't it mysterious? God, sleeping in a manger, nursing from Mary's breast, crying on Joseph's arms. What does incarnation mean? Why did God become human? He asks with forthright skepticism. Doesn't it all seem unbelievable? God, drinking sorrow's poison, crying in pain forsaken, dying on a criminal's cross. Why did God become human? The question whirls in our minds with heightened curiosity. Divinity swaddled by human flesh, kingdom come in a baby's breath. Infinite being now finite, frail, contingent, 
Could this child mean God is not against us in our minds where fears are suppressing our dreams? She peers into the makeshift crib and he sits beside her. Proud tears fall on her brown cheeks and he holds her. They listen to his breathing as life with the child begins. Isn't it astonishing? God, fussing in a manger, crying from a cross, sharing life with us. Could this child mean God struggles with us in our hearts where love is, sharing our dreams? The child is born. Underneath the stars, wise men search, angels appear, and shepherds hear. Underneath the stars, the promise of love transforms all fears. Underneath the stars, the weary, the wounded, the seekers hear. A song fills the air. Gloria, in excelsis Deo, I hear salvation's song, she whispers. Listen, lean near and listen to the slow ocean of this child's breathing, calming, calling, drawing near. So good. Yeah. 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 That's actually one uh, when we were driving, I'm like, Chris, you got to hear this. <laughs> I can guarantee it didn't sound like that. <laughs> Well, thank you for sharing, guys. Thank you, thank you for being here. Yeah, really, really appreciate it, and I can't can't wait to share this with with our listeners and and um, and share the book with our community when we get back. Yeah, many, many thanks for you guys for what you're doing. Thank you. Imagine a simple mason jar, a mason jar packed with pine cones, seashells, wildflower seeds, words from Martin Luther King's dream, rubber bouncy balls, and everlasting gobstoppers. Suppose that this mason jar could change everything. I packed these jars, I pulled them in a red radio flyer wagon. I passed them door to door. I rang your doorbell and placed a jar in your hands. I know, I know you think I'm mad, but hear me out. What if this jar could heal the human heart? No more selfish frenzy that causes pain. No more anxious greed or dying dreams. No more hunger, no more violence. No person sold for another's gain. Will you take this jar? Will you pick up this pine cone and hold it to your nose? Let the earthy aroma remind you that it once was connected to a branch, and that branch was connected to a great tree, and that tree's roots dug deep into the mountains where it was nourished. With every breath, let this pine cone remind you that you are connected beyond the surface of things, that deep water sustain you. Will you rub your fingers over this seashell And remember the ocean breeze, the rhythm of waves, the creatures living in the sea, the sand between your toes. All things come and go. Change is possible, you know. 
And will you open this small packet of wildflower seeds and spread them everywhere? Transform the landscape of your life. As you sow these seeds, let go of everything and everyone that has ever hurt you and watch your life begin to bloom. Will you unroll this scroll and place this speech on a mirror? Let its words remind you that peace must move beyond good intentions and be written into the structures of society. Let its words remind you of how far we've come, but how far we've yet to go. Let its words remind you of the power of human hearts humming as one. Will you grab this rubber bouncy ball and share it with someone whose smile's been stepped on? Spend time throwing that ball back and forth. Let that ball bounce wherever it wants. These are the ones we need to hear the most. Will you share this everlasting gobstopper? Will you open up and give your life away? Your words and actions ringing loud and clear. I love you. I believe in you. You are going to make it through. Imagine a simple mason jar. A mason jar packed with pine cones, seashells, wildflower seeds, words from Martin Luther King's dream, rubber bouncy balls, everlasting gobstoppers. Suppose that this mason jar could change everything. What if this jar could heal the human heart? Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. We had a great time talking with Dale, and we, as we continue throughout this next year, we'll be sharing more of these interviews from our road trip with you, and we can't wait. If you'd like to check out Dale's work, visit dalefrederickson.com. You can find his book and all sorts of other work there. If you'd like some of the tracks you heard of Dale's poems, you can find those at dalefrederickson.bandcamp.com. And remember, if you want to stay in touch with us, sign up for our email updates via our website, connect with us through Facebook and Twitter, and be sure to rate us and review us on iTunes. And of course, subscribe to the podcast, and it will magically appear on your phone or computer from time to time. If you've already subscribed, share this podcast with someone who might like it. There is always more room in the sandbox. Until next time, we'll see you. Bye. Please watch your step as you exit the sandbox.